Hey there, welcome to Please Explain. I'm Hannah Mills Turbot and I'm a producer on Please Explain, the daily news podcast from The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to bring you a series of episodes from our archive. You'll hear from Kate McClymont on millionaire fraudster Melissa Caddick, from Nick McKenzie on Ben Robert Smith's alleged war crimes, and from Peter Harcher on the war in Ukraine. Today, we have an episode on the secret origins of the world's biggest crypto casino, a six-month investigation that took business reporter Sarah Dankett into the murky world of online gambling in the heart of Melbourne's CBD. This episode was hosted by Jess Irvine, our senior economics writer, and we are releasing it for you today on Monday, January 2. Here's Jess. So this is just an amazing story, and I think it's one that Australians wouldn't know too much about crypto casinos, because I think it's actually illegal for companies to advertise to us to play these things. Am I right, am I right on that? Absolutely. So it's illegal for these services to be offered in Australia. So Australians shouldn't be able to access these sites, and you're not allowed to advertise to Australian um, consumers either. Can you just tell us then, if people are unfamiliar, what is a crypto casino? It's a website. It's effectively a portal. Um, A site like stake.com offers everything from sports betting. You can bet on basketball games in America, soccer games in um, or football games in England. But there's also spin the wheel games. There's slot machine games. There's roulette wheel games. There's all sorts of games like that. And in the case of a cryptocurrency casino, you set up your account and the money that you put into the account is cryptocurrency. A lot of the games do still trade in when you spin the wheel, for instance, you're betting $200 US, but there's no actual uh, American dollars anywhere near the site. It's all uh, a casino run by cryptocurrency. And apparently you can sort of join things where it's live streamed and you've got a real life person dishing out the cards. There's all sorts of mainly young women, but there's also some young men and they're hamming it up, spinning the wheel. But in this case, the prizes are 3,000 times on your next bet. You might get a leverage, a lift. Well, your next winning might be $5 and, and you'll get the spin the wheel thing and it'll tell you that they'll times that by 3,000 in terms of your payout. And a lot of people who are into gambling love these sites and certainly the People who are behind stake.com are avid gamblers themselves. They clearly love the games that are on their their own site. They're avid users and they seem to be having a lot of fun. So stake.com, if I'm right, is the biggest of these online crypto gambling websites. Is that right? As far as we know, yes, it's certainly um, uh, pulling in huge business. This is not a small financial affair at all. They've processed over a hundred billion US dollars worth of bets through their system. There was 12 million US spent on the bet on the US election alone. And that was when they were still in pretty early stages of development. So it's growing. It's very big. They sponsor an English Premier League team called Watford FC. They sponsor the UFC. They've just signed up a new brand ambassador and that brand ambassador is Drake, the mega pop star. The Watford deal is supposed to have been $9 million. So they're throwing up a lot of cash. It's a very successful business as far as what we could tell, estimated to be worth about a billion dollars. And it's a very successful Australian business. So this is the what is really um, groundbreaking about your story was to reveal the extent that this site is Australian. It's owned by Australians, operated in Australia. But if you go to stake.com, is that apparent? And, and how on earth did you figure out um, that this was the case? 
If you go to state.com, it's not apparent. If you go to state.com in Australia, if any of these our readers want to Google it, you'll, you'll be hit with the geo block saying stake's not available in Australia. And from that, it's hard to take that box away to, to look into the back end. I came across it like many um, good stories at The Age and The Herald. I came across this story because a reader tipped us off. A reader had an idea and they sent me an email. That reader was always anonymous and their sort of tip was that there was a game development company based in Melbourne called Easy Go Gaming and they developed casino games. They designed them. They're gamer bros. They, they, they're the kind of guys that do all the coding and all that sort of stuff. And the reader was adamant that the guys who ran Easy Go were the same people who ran state.com and gave me um, some online handles, you know, how they communicate um, online. One was Stunner and the other one was PrimeEd and some links to these forums. You know, the internet's a big place, Jess, and on the internet there's a place where people avidly discuss online development of casino games, and there was hundreds of pages of this forum where these guys were chatting. So from there I just started, I guess, looking into trying to, to stand that up. EasyGo was clearly an Australian company. It's based on Collins Street in Melbourne, and I guess just, just finding the links between the two companies was um, a lot of fun. So tell us about the real human beings. There's there's two um, young Australian men, one called Ed uh, Craven and one called Bijan Tarani. You've definitely established that they are the founders of Stake.com, have you? There's no actual entity called Stake.com. It's a brand name, so to speak. So there's no owner or director of Stake.com in that sense. But certainly they are the founders. Bijan Tarani is an American Australian, so he spent a lot of time here, but he's certainly got strong links back to the States. And Ed Craven, Edward Craven, grew up around Coffs and then is been based down here in Melbourne with his family for, for some time. Ed is very young, he's 26. Bijan is only 28. I just want to emphasise as well that as part of our, the research that I did, I spoke to a lot of people who worked at State. They had nothing but good things to say about Ed and they had nothing but good things to say about Bijan. There's no suggestion that they're doing anything illegal or anything like that, but they were keeping this business very much on the quiet. They didn't want any media attention and it wasn't known, these links to them. And, I, and they just, I think they wanted their own privacy. They weren't actually hiding anything or do anything wrong. There are people who say that they've helped a lot of people develop skills in game development. And certainly if you look at the LinkedIn profiles of people who used to work at Stake or EasyGo, they're now working at some of America's biggest tech companies, you know, that, so they have helped develop these um, skills. So did you reach out to um, Ed and Bijan for this story and what did they say? Ed politely declined. Bijan didn't respond. And so they didn't say anything at the time. They want to do their media their own way. Ed's out a lot in public, but he uses a pseudonym, a surname, just to, guess, I guess, keep his private life separate from his business life. That's Ed Miroslav. And, yeah, I, I think they just wanted it to be kept nice and private because that's another, I think, fascinating bit of this story was that it's actually completely legal to run a casino from Melbourne as long as you don't serve Australian customers. So it is legal, but you did speak to some anti-gambling sort of campaigners who raised concerns about the business. Uh, what were those concerns? Yeah, so I spoke to um, Tim Costello, who's a, a really good example. He's quite well-known anti-gambling advocate. I guess their concern was this idea that the existence of state.com is one thing, but are, is this going to become an industry? 
are we going to be exporting our gambling addiction to, to the world? Australia is a country that loves the punt. I think we're the second biggest punters in, in the world. The figures are off the charts with how much Australians punt. The losses are estimated to be about $1,000 per person in this country a year. It's a huge business and there's a worry that because our law is written a bit different to the way it is in England and it's a bit different to the way it is in the US, we can um, take our love of gambling and, and export it. And is that necessarily the industry Australia wants to be known for? I guess that was their questions. And, you know, you can make an argument for that as well. Other people would say, well, this is one of the great tech exports. This is a tech company. They're a unicorn, as people say, you know, the billion-dollar company. And they've done very well. They employ people. They, In fact, they employ dozens of people. You know, everyone gets paid. Everyone's having a good time. This is good industry. So there's those sorts of arguments. And yet it's sort of an activity that we've seen appropriate to ban Australians from doing. <laughs> so what is the loophole um, that this company is using? There was language of that there's a loophole in the regulation that should be closed. What is that? And that was experts were saying that it should be closed. There's kind of two or three loopholes and it's all completely legal. No one's done anything untoward. But the loopholes mean that you can run a casino from here as long as you don't serve Australians and you don't advertise to, to Australians. That's a key element. But the law goes a little bit further than that because we, I think a lot of people would, might be familiar with a thing called a virtual private network, which is one of those software programs you put on your computer and you can get Netflix in America, for instance, or you can use it to access um, your favourite television show in England by saying, oh, I'm in London now and the internet thinks you're based in London and shows you the shows over there. So there's a lot of people who use who use VPNs. And if you use a, a VPN, a virtual private network, you can pretend that you're not in Australia anymore. You can say you're from Canada where online gambling is legal and you just sail on into the casino. And the law in Australia says that the casinos should stop people from using those VPNs. It should be able to check whether the person's tricking the site effectively and, and actually is from Australia. But then the law doesn't go much further than that. It just says that the website has to ask for an address and all they have to do is check that that address is not in Australia. They don't have to verify whether that address is actually real, which raises another question. And I'm not suggesting anyone under the age of 18 has gotten into stake.com, but given VPNs and the lack of checking on some of these sites, you would have to start questioning whether people under the age of 18 could sail through. There's no requirement to provide ID. Do you think that Australians either under or over 18 would be accessing this site using those sorts of loopholes? Well, we conducted an experiment where we did. And there's also footage as well um, of um, Ed Craven playing the site. He's the Australian founder and if he's accessing it, is that legal? He says he's, he's in Melbourne at the time that he's doing it. Though he could actually have, I guess, special logins because he's a founder or something like that. But certainly one of my colleagues, Dominic Powell, he covers the retail industry and also cryptocurrency for The Age and The Herald. He conducted a bit of an Ocean's Eleven for us. Dominic was really well placed to do this because as a cryptocurrency reporter, he has a cryptocurrency wallet. Okay, so but he was able to do that and technically under law he shouldn't be or under law the online casino is supposed to take reasonable steps or use reasonable diligence to check whether he is actually overseas and do you think 
that standard was met? Under the law, yeah, it was. Because again, you're right, there is a standard. And the standard says that they've got to do a reasonable check. But under the law, a reasonable check, all they had to do was ask for an address. He provided an address. The address was, I think if my memory stands correct, we didn't publish this, but it was 11 Fake Street in the town, not real, in the country of Andorra. And he they became an immediate um, member of stake. There was no effort to test it but that's not on stake or any of the people who work at stake that's the way the law is written if us as australians want more requirements on these companies then then we have to actually talk to our politicians and just finally do you get a sense that there would be any regulatory changes coming in this area I'm not sure. I would hope that there would be, but until the law changes, there won't be. There's a lot on different people's plates at the moment. I would hope that people who have been great anti-gambling advocates in the past, like Andrew Wilkie is a great example, whether perhaps this might pique his interest, but yes, there's an election coming on and I think it's a really important issue, but I think we all know that inflation and cost of living is front and centre for people now and who knows, once the election period's over, maybe some questions will be asked of ACMA which is the regulator, whether that's questions asked of them at Senate's estimates when that comes around. Yeah, well, it was definitely, in the judge's words, a rollicking and forensic investigation, Sarah. I think that's it's the best of journalism to tell us something we don't know. And yeah, fascinating detail and everyone should go have a read. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on Please Explain to discuss it. Uh, It's a pleasure, Jess. It always is. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Debbie Harrington and Shi Wong. The journalists, editors, photographers, producers and tech team at The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald work tirelessly to cover the news that matters. For coverage you can trust, visit our websites or buy our papers. To support our journalism, you can subscribe via our homepages or just search subscribe Sydney Morning Herald or The Age. I'm Jess Irvine. Thanks for listening.